Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is Questions of the Force, Quantum Mania of the Force. That's right. We are changing it up. We're now a Marvel podcast. Just kidding. We like Marvel, but we're talking about questions about Star Wars. I'm Joseph Scripture. I'm Ken Napsack. I Occasionally, I'd love to talk about some other things with you. We'll look at that down the line. There you go. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. And I just got my tickets to see that uh, Quantum Mania movie. Uh, mm. Is somebody who owned a Secret Wars action figure of Kang in the 1980s. I'm extremely excited to see that film. Anyway, back to Star Wars. And you know what people think of when they think of Star Wars, Ken? Audible. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We are continuing to recommend Path to Deceit by Tessa Gratton and Justina Ireland. It is a High Republic adventure we are looking forward to digging into. So if you want to download a free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for a free audiobook audio book we have had some uh, kind fans uh, some listeners asking us hey are there other ways that we can we can help you uh, help the podcast grow uh, this is a great way to help us that costs nothing uh, you get a free audiobook and it's a good deal it really does make a difference uh, for us so if you're at all interested do check it out yeah that's a, a direct way uh, direct, direct way to respond to that question joseph and yes it absolutely helps us out it does. And we are still on an epic journey, Ken, to a certain number at a certain place. Do you want to tell people about that? Yeah. Over on YouTube, we are having some fun. We got some great things planned. Figure fights dropping February 1st. Actually, uh, when when are we releasing this episode? Hey, it, it dropped yesterday. Did you enjoy it? Hey, we're in a, we're in a quantum, quantum of time. What are we? Quantum solace? Um, <laughs> we're having a lot of fun over on YouTube there. More things coming. More episodes figure fights, essays, shorts, a lot of things we're working on, ideas we haven't even come up with yet. So join the party by subscribing over there on YouTube. We're trying to get up to 7,000 subscribers. That's our next step in the growth of that channel. So we appreciate uh, if you already have and if you're considering or you're just discovering us, go ahead and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Yes, do it, as Palpatine would say, do it. Uh, yeah, Thursday, uh, February 2nd, uh, reaching back into the past is when <laughs> Figure Fights debuted. Uh, but we're going to move on to the actual titular cues, the questions. We've got two from Twitter, two from our patrons on Patreon. We go first to Twitter. This comes to us from Tim Scudder. Uh, Tim says, not so much a question as a request. Would love to hear you talk about two literally related things. Omega as the daughter of Jango Fett, and Boba as a brother to the clones. Oh, this is a great one. Um, I have been in enough uh, panels at conventions uh, where there's a, a Q&A time, and uh, 
often the phrase, this isn't really a question, is a moment of terror. <laughs> because then an audience member will just say, uh, an opinion is a fact and sometimes uh, maybe a disturbing one. Uh, what a delight that this was the complete opposite. Uh, when Tim asked not so much a question as a request. We got a great request, a great topic to discuss here, Ken. So where do you go first with this? Uh, can I tell you where I actually go first? So Tim Scudder, I've not heard that last name Scudder in a long time. One of our more popular teachers at uh, my elementary school in Rio Grande, California was a Mr. Scudder. So Tim, you already started with some good vibes because I remember Mr. Scudder <laughs> and uh, Mr. Scudder here has got a great question here. Um, I kind of love that it's overlooked, meaning to me that the, and I, maybe that's not even a fact. I think it's sometimes overlooked. It's not part of a lot of discussions week to week on Bad Batch, um, not just on us, but just out there. Uh, but it hangs over things, right? Mm -hmm. The big answers are still out there. You, 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 sometimes I do look at Omega and just go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's that going to be like when she either finds out, discusses it, realizes it, when Boba found, finds out? How would that affect Boba Fett? This is a kid uh, who is looking for family. This is an adult who's looking for family. Uh, and discovering uh, this information, what happens when he's young and he's like, Wait, I have a sister or when he's older, like B Book of Boba Fett season two. Wait a minute. I had a sister. I'm fascinated with all that. And, and it could be a, a lesson in environment. Uh, Boba sort of raised by wolves in the way out in the galaxy and himself, whereas Omega had a very sheltered experiment because she was an experiment uh, and so speak and, and how they um, emerged differently and who influenced them as they got out in the world. I think I start there uh, in terms of just the overall question. Yeah, no, I think we, we are playing in similar fields of thought, uh, which I think makes sense because it's what the show is playing with of the relationships of family uh, and how do you define family, particularly when you are aware that, well, I was created in this kind of scientific way and I was created for this specific purpose, but I am an individual and I get to choose who I'm going to be. That's what defines a clone, according uh, to Cody. Um, so then he, having them go, well, we know we have these uh, connections that we can assign sort of traditional familial ideas to. Uh, do we decide to do that or not? And how and when and why? All these things are what make the clones such interesting characters. Um, mm. This is not directly uh, Tim Scudder, perhaps your, your former teacher, Mr. Scudder, giving you an essay assignment uh, <laughs> way in the future. Uh, uh, we'll get to the direct things of the Omega as daughter of Django and Boba mm -hmm. as brother in the clones because those are specific relationships that uh, that Tim is interested in. But I want to start from the young Boba Fett perspective. Um, I continue to really want to see him in Bad Batch. There were the mm -hmm. uh, planned arcs in the Clone Wars that kind of took him fully into putting on the helmet and becoming the Boba Fett we know. I think uh, I'm really interested in seeing that story for Boba Fett and also because I think it relates to uh, the Bad Batch. It would be just fun to see him uh, mm -hmm. put the armor on. Uh, Bad Batch, uh, we've often described as one of its facets is a is a tour of the galaxy mm -hmm. just the Empire takes over, right? And Boba Fett, at least at the beginning of that time, is someone who prospers from the horror of the Empire. Uh, he goes on to regret it, doubt it, reject it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but at least at the beginning, right, that's a great contrast for him to look around the galaxy. Omega sees that, oh, a lot of people in the galaxy need help. They need family. They need community. They need joy. And Boba looks around the galaxy and goes, nah, it's a, it's a, it's a wolf eat wolf. It's a, a loath wolf eat loath wolf galaxy. You got to be out for yourself. Any, anybody else is a sucker. 
uh, I'm putting on this armor and I'm going to have that perspective validated and I'm going to become infamous and wealthy off that life perspective. Um, that to me makes sense of why Boba Fett would, would, would fit into this storytelling era of, of Bad Batch. And, mm-hmm. and in particular with this sibling relationship between uh, Omega and Boba, right? Uh, I, I think, uh, I think Omega would be thrilled to, you know, maybe know more about this, this brother, right. And want that family and that connection. Uh, really seeing as Boba as a brother, maybe reaching out to him. We kind I, I kind of assume from the Boba Fett television show that he has marched through life without ever really, truly finding connection family. And the Tuscans is really the first time that he feels it. Right. Yeah. So, so in my head canon right now, it kind of makes sense that they don't super connect. Right. So, did they, you know, does Boba kind of want that connection, but uh, Omega ends up sort of rejecting him based on his anger, his violence, his cold view of the galaxy, and it just kind of is another nail in the in the coffin of his attitude at this time in life? Uh, I think there could be some really interesting storytelling there. I think that's, yeah, exactly where I would go to, just this this uh, headcanon meeting, you know, um, Pacino and, and De Niro and he across the table type of thing. <laughs> I've made that reference before and other things, but like, uh, her, it's not just light side, dark side uh, of the same genes there, but, but what that would do to Boba Fett. And I, I gotta wonder and, and, and perhaps think that it, it would drive him further at this point in his life because it'd be so painful to realize uh, that whole con- that connection was there and it was taken from me. Uh, I, 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 you know, from, from day one, you know, or day two, whenever Omega was, uh, you know, created, uh, my father didn't have a chance to tell me or didn't tell me, I didn't know, Tonway didn't tell me, like, I think it would drive him further into um, what he what he would be. And I, I don't think it would have to be a long exchange. I think he'd just be, he, he's so angry at the times that we see him in the Clone Wars. Um, understandably so from a lot of points of view, which is why I love mm-hmm. him in the Clone Wars. Uh, but that's where, I, that's where I go with it, where I love how you phrased it as Omega would kind of reject him. I think that would be part of it as well, of her just like, you know, you're, pretty angry <laughs> like again like again understand uh but her saying but we could be this you can do this we could choose this and why not help because everything about her along the way is helping right she's always turned around to see who's behind her and who she can run back to and help um it's part of what you see especially in this season so far um so yeah i, I love this conversation that they might have and, and what it would do with boba fett yeah yeah i think it is one of those um not light side, dark side is in, in the force, but more light side, dark side is this sort of analogy for, for real life. The, um, mm-hmm. uh, what's in the, what's in the cave tree on Dagobah, only what you take with you, right? You know, you can be presented with something and you can react in a, in an angry and a fearful way, or you can try to take a deep breath and, and see the, see the positives of it. Um, right. not lie to yourself, but see the legitimate positives of it. Right. So it'd yeah. be a really interesting presentation to Boba of like, you can have family, you can have connection, you can have someone who maybe understands your unique life experience in some ways, or he could see Omega as like a threat, right? Not, not physically, but like emotionally of like, he's special, right? He's, he's the unaltered clone, right? Mm -hmm. And like, he's, he's Django's only son. And it's like, who's this pretender, you know? Yeah who never knew my father wasn't raised by my father, but is, you know, trying to tell me she's my sister. She's, she's not Django's daughter, you know, yeah. he could react to it in, in anger and that fear of what makes him unique being taken away. 
Yeah, just yeah, reje- I love the the rejection of hers. Uh, that ain't that ain't your that ain't your dad because <laughs> he has such, your daddy. He does have such a connection. I love the stuff in the, the Mandalorian uh, about his father. I loved hearing that acknowledged and, and dealt with, and especially in Book of Boba Fett. And for her to, you don't get the sense that she hung out with Django a lot on Camino. No, no, I, I in, maybe there's some canon detail that I am not remembering from season one, but I think it's kind of up for grabs. I think what's different about Omega is she's aware of the science of it all, right? She spends time with it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. She basically lives in the lab, right? Um, yeah. So I think she probably has a different relationship with that idea, which, you know, getting to uh, Tim's specific questions about Boba as a brother to the clones, I think a, a vital thing about this conversation that I'm sure some listeners are like, say it already. <laughs> uh, Boba's not big on clones, right? He's got a yeah. bad attitude toward clones. They are uh, cheap, uh, altered copies, and he's the genuine article, right? That's his attitude. So I, I kind of can't imagine um, Boba having a great attitude toward the Bad Batch and seeing them as brothers at this point in his life. What do you think? I I agree with that, Ed, and that's just some stuff that's in in the text in the Clone Wars, indeed. And and again, a situation of, um, not just jealousy, but just like a, a not understanding why you know I can't have that, so therefore I'm going to be even more independent, more behind a wall, more um, broken off from this gag, and and resent that they would even consider themselves brothers or consider themselves a brother to me. Uh, you're right, not just not just about the. Uh, the, the the technicality of yeah you have my genes but you ain't me you're a copy that's one one part of it too but I I think it's because of the book of Boba Fett you know there's a a wide uh you know ocean of emotions going on in Boba Fett where I I just keep going to this he is truly hurt he's always been hurt uh from I don't know 10 11 12 on the time we pick up with him and tack the clothes and so he would just be hurt about this gang of you're calling you're calling yourselves brothers of me number one wrong and two look at look how much fun you're having I can't allow that. I can't have that. So therefore, I am more determined to be the lone wolf here. Yeah, I think so. I I can see the Bad Batch, you know, trying to extend a hand uh, of friendship, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. They they have, uh, they're trying to be kind to clones, right? They give them the benefit of the doubt. They use their their stun settings on clones, you know? Um, They keep giving uh, uh, Crosshair another chance. I think they might, they might see Boba as a brother. I think, and reach a handout, and I think Boba would slap it away at this point in his life. Yeah, exactly. Literally. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Directly. Uh, slapping Tech's hand in Tech and go, ow, that was a PSI of Muslim. <laughs> um, Omega as the daughter of Jango Fett. How do you think Omega might feel about that? How do you think uh, Boba might feel about that? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, again, like uh, Boba would reject it, but Ome- Omega... It's not unlike some of the Ray stuff we've dealt with in Rise of Skywalker. What you're from doesn't necessarily have to be who you are, and and I wonder if she would have that chance. I wonder how much she knew. I, I, I you know, we don't have this answer yet. You know, Django asked for Boba. Did he ask for Omega? Does he know about Omega? Did they tell him? And he said, "No, thanks. I got a mission on Coruscant. I'll see you later." Like what? What was that about? And so, therefore, that might might color how uh, she views it there. And I just can't imagine. I think she. I think there'd be a little bit of pain and stuff to work with on her side once she comes to, you know, terms with it uh, of 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 who I am of and my father or who I'm from. I guess you know is is this ruthless bounty hunter that did ruthless things? That's not me, and I don't want to be that. And I think she'd have to figure that out, and as she's figuring that on her own with the batch. 
Yeah, no, I really agree with you. I mean, the way I take the Omega story that we've got so far is that, yes, Django asked for Boba. He was a part of the price of doing it, of, of mm-hmm. a son, and he raised him like a son. Uh, I don't, I think there's every possibility Django doesn't know about Omega because Omega seems more like the clones going or, or the uh, Kaminoans uh, deciding we're going to keep uh, seeing what else we can make happen. <laughs> <laughs> with this uh, DNA, a different, a different experiment. Uh, so I think there's a possibility that Django is not really aware of her. It's definitely a part of Omega's story that she was kept isolated and alone, right? Yeah. Um, so she could know about. Uh, she could maybe have like the DNA strands of of Django Fett memorized. Maybe she's got a fact sheet, you know. But I don't mm-hmm. think she knows him. No. Um, so I think that would be really interesting for her to say, like, yeah, I don't I don't know if I ever thought of him as my dad, but he raised you, Boba. What what was he like? What was he really like? I want to know where I came from. Mm. Mm. Uh, and then I, I think it, it could be a story of, oh, yeah, this the, uh, this brutal bounty hunter. I don't need him to be my dad, uh, you know my dad who's gone you know but i don't need to hold him in my heart as my dad i've got four perfectly good dads <laughs> yeah 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 dads uncles uh brothers in a way too from yeah i, I think a lot there mm-hmm. it's, so, it's so funny too because this is a great question again mr scudder uh great question uh but i just when you hear Filoni, some other folks uh story group people hey what star wars is about you hear oh it's about family a lot even carrie fisher did that and said that in an interview star wars is about family and you and i agree with that we also think hope and fear hope versus fear all that kind of stuff this is why i love having these kind of discussions because it isn't just a stat sheet it is like it's about family and omega's got some choices in front of her about <laughs> who she is and what she connects with boba fett's got some big 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 issues with family or lack thereof. So I love that these things come up in this conversation. Yeah. It goes back to the original trilogy of Luke wanting to be a Jedi like his father and living with this idea of who his father was and then having to wrestle with the reality. And yeah, it's a, it could be a similar journey with a uh, Omega in, in Django. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was, he was nice. He helped people, right? Uh, <laughs> your money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is a lot of things they're they're wrestling with now of who they want to be. So, yeah, great, great uh, thought starter, uh, Mr. Tim Scudder. Thank you very much. Any final thoughts, Ken? Uh, no, uh, other than, you know, I do think we're going to figure some of this stuff out down the line, and I, I can't wait till we get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, a lot of headcanon uh, spewing out of our heads there, but we will keep our uh, our uh, minds and emotions and arms literally physically open uh, mm-hmm. for whatever storytelling the Bad Batch might have about Boba and Django in the future. With that, we are going to move on to our next question from Commander Cloud. This is a straightforward question uh, in that it's a question. And also, as far as questions go, it's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Commander Cloud asks, what sort of tasty treats would you bring in your Dagobah snack pack? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had included a great picture of uh, Luke opening up his, uh, his ration kit there on Dagobah. And uh, he's got the stick that he seems not too excited about. Uh, so, Ken, where do you go? What, what's in your, your Dagobah snack pack? No surprise to anyone who's heard me talking into microphones for years, or especially if you hang out with me on Twitch streams, where within five minutes, usually every stream goes into a food conversation. Uh, I enjoy snack packs. No surprise there. Uh, from school lunches when Mr. Scudder was uh, in the cafeteria <laughs> watching over, of us, over, over all of us to now. I am a sucker for things that are quick and easy to eat. So I have a <laughs> wonderful answer. 
I am going to take, I love Uncrustables, which are the mm. peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that you put in the fridge and then you thaw out and you eat. It is not a concept for everyone. I uh, love them. Uh, uh, give me a, give me a meat on stick. Uh, even though I try to maintain a, a mostly vegan lifestyle, uh, I do enjoy uh, these new things. I've discovered turkey sticks. So it's like a slim gym, but it's kind of healthier turkey. Kind of is the keyword. So that goes in there. Little carrots with dipping dressings. You know those little packs? Oh, I've been a fan of those my entire life. Oh, when my mom had put those in my lunch bag, I was so excited. I got carrots and ranch dressing. Yippee skippy. Uh, then I need you need a dessert. Yeah, and Crustables are not the dessert kits. Uh, Chocolate-covered dips. The granola bars dipped in chocolate because <laughs> why even pretend to be healthy with that? Uh, and then wash it all down. I, I, what I have, uh, what I just finished, uh, I muted my mic to throw the can away. A V8 Hydrate or a V8 Energy Drink. Uh, not the classic V8 tomato juice cans. I never like those, but they have a fruit juice flavored energy drinks that I love. So that is my snack pack. And you can hear the glee in my voice because I want to get stranded on Dagobah with this food. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that, that, that sounds delicious. And I think more healthy than mine. <laughs> yeah, I got to I got to add some more uh, vegetables to mine. Um, now, if if Star Wars uh, can make like like raised portion bread. Yeah. If you could, it would probably be hard to make a whole frozen pizza. But if you could have like a frozen calzone, <laughs> you just uh, put some water on it and it explodes into a full, you know, cheese and pepperoni uh, a hot pocket, basically. Yeah, I want a hot pocket. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. that would be uh, amazing. Um, failing that, if they have the little sort of the, the little ration sticks, uh, the, the space breadstick looking thing that Luke eat mm, mm-hmm. in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I'd be happy with that if it was uh, gourmet cheese flavored. Now, um, oh, yeah. I want my Dagobah snack pack to have been packed on Naboo because of every planet we've ever been to, I bet Naboo makes really good cheese, right? Um, mm. they, they've got uh, good laws to make sure that the uh, animals <laughs> are well taken care of. I bet there's the the any sort of uh, machinery process is vetted uh, to be high quality. It's artisan. I'm sure there are cheese artists on Naboo. So these cheese flavored sticks. Right? I'm not. I'm not talking about the craft cheese flavored sticks. I'm talking about gourmet Naboo artist cheese sticks. Oh, uh, come to Force Center for the Nubian cheese talk. <laughs> ah, Nubian cheese this one yes, yes, yeah. um, I guess I'm sticking with Naboo because look on a practical side you know I, I would want some sort of uh, meat so uh, you know something that's going to last uh, mm-hmm. so like salami uh, I've brought salami to conventions sometimes because it's a good like you did that that could survive anything yeah. right and still yeah. be basically edible um <laughs> So I want some shock salami, uh, the the butt cows on uh, Naboo, the, oh, the shock right. salami. Uh, and then uh, for my dessert, Ken, mm-hmm. I was uh, inspired by by a recent treat at, at Disneyland. Um, just like Ray has a portion bread, I think you should be able to make a, a, a portion churro. You need a different, mm-hmm. <laughs> a different uh, sort of pan, but it would fit in the snack pack because it's long and thin like my Nubian cheese sticks. Yeah, but I had a churro that was available uh, in uh, Tomorrowland, in particular, where they had this. Uh, I'm sure not even remotely healthy, having nothing to do with reality. Uh, a, a sour cherry dust that they rolled it in, mm-hmm. yeah. and the sour cherry churro was uh, 
deeply unnatural and very delicious. Yeah. Oh, man. I got to get back for that. First of all, I love that you you understood the assignment a little bit more. You went into the galaxy for answers. I went to Ralph's for my answers. <laughs> or Kroger's uh, if you're on the other coast. Uh, you know there's a Ralph's on Corellia. I just... I, <laughs> yes. That's the planet that has a Ralph's and so probably somebody named Ralph. This is what I want in Andor. We're talking about the dirt and gritty, realistic view of Star Wars that everyone loves. I want, you know, Perrin having to go to the grocery store, pick up food for the dinner party. I know he sent his, you know, his servants essentially to the way they go to his house. But I, I want, that's the realism. I want, I want the Coruscant grocery store to be dealt with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I, I, I do need something to drink. So, I mean, hey, water, that's fine. Uh, but also if there could be some dehydrated martini that you could add water to. I just want to add water to everything. <laughs> good, it's, yeah, it's a good strategy. And then I, was, I, I, I realized I made a deeply unhealthy meal. Uh, I'm mm. not going to be in fighting shape when I go to the tree cave. Like you, yeah. The only things in there are what you take with you. And for me, it would be like an upset stomach by the time <laughs> I'm eating my carbs, yeah salami and sour cherry churro uh so I, I would need some like daily supplement vitamin pills or whatever those mm. are in star wars yeah 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 i just wouldn't want like that whatever that nutrient paste the troopers stormtroopers drink mm. or whatever that's uh, that's disturbing so yeah i'm going more your direction the the sliced uh shack uh, uh pepperoni or, or salami is great yeah remember when when we were kids in the the flintstones uh I think were they aspirin or were they vitamin? What what were they? they were, but they were like, hey, suddenly it's now now medicine's fun because they mm. taste like ash and strawberry and they look like Fred Flintstone. Yeah, yeah, that was a great moment in history. I need that. I need uh, vitamin yeah. pills that you know of Darth Vader's head. Ironically, I yeah, I used to I used to get a fight with my old roommate about that. He you know you know when they started doing the gummy forms of of medicine, he's like, what is this candy? And I'm like, yeah. What's the problem with that? Give me, I want my <laughs> vitamins and candy form. It works. You don't want candy that makes you feel better? Come on. Yeah, come on. Well, this is a this is a fun one. Uh, and I love that snack pack. And I love that we get to see uh, rations in other parts of Star Wars. And a fun thing to explore. Thank you, Commander Cloud. Ken, any final thoughts? Or are you getting too hungry? Uh, this is, uh, I'm going to head to a store after the recording and pick up these items. My snack pack can be had here on Earth. So here we go. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm ready to finish this episode so I can eat lunch. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more questions of the force. And we are back for more cues of the force. We have talked some questions from uh, Twitter, and now we're going to talk some questions from our patrons on Patreon. We go first to Brian Diller. Uh, Brian says, hi, Ken and Joseph. Sending my annual question as I start my eighth rewatch of Rebels. Rebels is my crab legs or filet mignon of the Star Wars buffet. Nice. Just watch the episode where Kane and Ezra visit the Jedi Temple and both end up communicating with Yoda. It got me thinking. How do you think Yoda is communicating with them? Is he opening himself to the Force, therefore jeopardizing his possible whereabouts to Palpatine? Does he get a ring doorbell notification anytime someone enters a temple? Did he pre-record every possible interaction he thought he might have? How does he drop a kyber crystal out of thin air? Or do we just say, hey, it's the Force. Stop asking so many questions. Uh, I, I think this is an absolutely 
great question and a great celebration of Rebels. Ken, let's get into this. Uh, how recently have you rewatched this episode? Is this one that lingers in your mind? It lingers in my mind. However, the way my mind works, I rewatched it uh, this morning, the day of our recording. Uh, entire awesome. episode, actually. Both an English muffin, not a snack bag. <laughs> and I love that I didn't mean to do it, but our, our food uh, conversation continued. Uh, Brian embracing the uh, Star Wars buffet analogy we make, that there's a lot of different parts of Star Wars. You can choose what to enjoy. And Brian is calling Rebels his crab legs and filet mignon and uh, uh, once again making me hungry. So let's get into this. Uh, Ken, uh, I want to start with this part of it because it's a it's a thing in Star Wars that that comes up a lot and I think has had kind of vaguely different answers over different years of, of book legends back in the day to canon to assumptions that you make based on what Star Wars you want. Um, how, do you feel like if Yoda is uh, meditating, uh, reaching out, um, do you do you think that it is a matter of, uh, of risk of him being uh, discovered by Palpatine? Yeah, I, I will say yeah, and I, I think uh, I absolutely take your point on just it's a collection of information bits over the years, right, from a lot of different sources that might make make you think a certain thing. I don't think it's automatic. I don't think an alarm goes off, right? There's no wooga 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 in Palpatine's office. Oh, someone's using the force. I don't necessarily think it's that, but I, I, I'd like to think uh, not just for stakes in the story, but just I think there's some. Hey, you can feel it. Uh, you know, you got to be careful, but it's not as cut and dry as maybe I would have thought. I don't know, five, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree. And I realize I cut off a part of Brian's uh, uh, question. So so Brian mm. is talking about how, exactly what we're talking about, how um, how Yoda is communicating. Uh, and uh, Brian says, I think he opens himself to the force when duty calls, he understands the bigger picture and who is needed at what times and understands it's a risk he needs to take. Uh, mm. So that was that was Brian's take on what we're talking about uh, to follow up with, uh, with Brian's great uh, question and thought starter here. Uh, yeah, I, I think as Star Wars has developed, I feel like um, uh, some of it is I could point to this little bit or that little bit, but a lot of it is just kind of headcanon. I feel like, uh, you know, Vader doesn't sense Kenobi still existing, right? He, in the Kenobi show, it's it's when Obi-Wan reaches out to him, like Obi-Wan needs to know that Anakin is still alive and reaches out to find him, right? Mm -hmm. And they connect, right? And Vader's eyes open up. Um, and I think that there's a lot of that that's about connection, right? I think that happens between people who are deeply connected, right? I think, I don't know. Um, I think in the original trilogy era, we kind of grew up with that, like, oh, if anybody's using the force, uh, they, the one another might be able to sense it, right? And I think, like, I think if Mace Windu is on one side of the galaxy and Katie Mundy has, like, gas pains, <laughs> Mace isn't like, oh, no, right? Oh, no. It has to be something major, and I think the connections go grow stronger as the people grow more mm -hmm. connected, right? So all that is to say, from from my head canon, I think Yoda is constantly meditating, constantly reaching out into the galaxy, constantly checking in on uh, on people who are using the Force, looking into the future for all the different paths and the things that might be, and who might need help and when Yoda can and can't reach them. And I kind of think Yoda can do all of that without exposing himself to Palpatine. I think he would have to be like looking for Palpatine or I think he could sense dark energies looking for him and Yoda could pull his energy back. But I don't think, but I think he is free to, to, you know, meditate and look uh, without automatically being at risk. 
Yeah, I like that view on it because of where we're at now, where you and I have discussed this too, uh, where it's like, you know, when you when you grow up, again, looking at from the 80s child generation perspective, it, it's like Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Luke, and that's it, right? And Vader, of mm-hmm. course. And there ain't, ain't nobody else, right? That's kind of the feel. The, the Empire uh, wiped them all out. And now that we know, hey, that's only 19 years. That's not exactly true. Uh, now there's characters in cartoons, video games, books, and more. Uh, and more emerging, more returning, more out there. And I, I've grown to really love that. I did, I did struggle with it at the beginning. I still sometimes want to make sure we don't have an entire list of 10 Jedis that could turn the <laughs> tide of the war if they just get, were there, the Galactic Civil War. Uh, I do like Luke being uh, the continuation of, of uh, Anakin as the Chosen One and being involved with all that. But that said, it just makes more sense that Yoda is doing what you're saying, where he is connecting, feeling, just connecting to the force and what is the force telling me and who's out there and what's going on. And that unless it is uh, direct unless Palpatine, you know, I know he's obsessed with things, but how obsessed is he sitting there in his office going, is that, say my little green friend still out there. Let me try to find him. <laughs> he might be, yeah. he's obsessed with those kind of things, but I don't think he does that necessarily. Yeah. And I know there's stuff in rebels where, you know, the, the inquisitors are, are more aware of the temple once it's been open and all that kind of thing. And, and yep. it's a risk of, of sensing them and, but I think that's also like the Inquisitors are being portrayed as like they have Kanan and Ezra's scent there on them, right? Yeah, they yeah. know of them and they're on them. Uh, yep. So I think that is also like a real focusing on. Um, I agree with that. I also think that there is, you know, in the original trilogy, this sort of evidence that Yoda can reach out and and watch and, and stay in touch because he's got the line in Empire Strikes Back about Luke this one a long time have I watched, you know? Mm-hmm. And I always took that as, you know, through the force, closing his eyes and <laughs> watching Skywalker mm-hmm. TV in his in his force mind, right? I don't think that's letters from Obi-Wan, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's looking at, looking into the soul of Luke, looking into who he is, what yeah. he wants, all the paths that he could follow. I love uh, Obi-Wan uh, texting and emailing Yoda footage. He can't download it. It's not a dot move file. He doesn't know what that can. I have an old <laughs> computer. What have you sent me with Luke? Um, but what you've said there, uh, I'm nodding and, and saying, mm-hmm, because I find often, even when I sometimes question some of the, ah, you know, again, there's more Jedi in the galaxy or how's Yoda connecting? A lot of it is in 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 the in the films. A lot of it is in not just Lucas's vision, but just like this is a line, and you can pull a lot of story from that line of long have I watched. Well, what does that mean? What does that actually mean? Yoda on that cave. We know he's in that cave. Maybe he takes a, a little uh, vacation like Kenobi does off Tatooine, as we learn later on. That could still be in the story. But at the end of the day, Yoda's sitting there watching Luke somehow, some way, and I think this is the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we kind of from the Yoda perspective of uh, what is he doing and why I think we're both uh, in agreement of of uh, Brian's take here that uh, Yoda is opening himself to the force when duty calls, understands the bigger picture and who is needed at what times and understands the risk he needs to take. I think, you know, he's got that last line to Ezra of, you know, a Jedi you may yet be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he is he is seeing these these paths for Ezra, uh, possibly I, I got more thoughts on that but i want to hear your reaction and your thought to what's going on in that episode where does that kyber crystal come from uh what role does the temple play in it if any what are your thoughts i think this is a wonderful question brian because 
how I often watch Star Wars is I go, oh, great. Yoda spoke to them. And I go back to my snack pack. I just, uh, that's the world I live in. And I think uh, this forces me to, to really slow down and look at it. Yoda has a great quote in this episode. Be not concerned with how. No, I am here because you are here. And I think that goes to some, that's, that's also a little bit of, uh, you know, I'm teasing Brian here, but a little bit of like, don't worry about it. But also explains there's a little bit of, uh, you know, not magic behind it, but just some, some, some force, some things we don't fully understand. And the need is there. So Yoda is there, which I think to, to your question about the, the temple. Yeah, I think you'd absolutely have to do with something with the temple, the temple, um, being the source of a lot of force energy, uh, being, being activated, so to speak, and Yoda feeling that needing it. And, you know, uh, 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 Ezra doesn't know who Yoda is, but Yoda's connecting here. Uh, Kanan does, and uh, Yoda's connecting with now Kanan, formerly Caleb. And uh, I, I definitely think that all factors into it. I, I also think that Yoda's using a little bit of the cosmic force to connect. We got those lights, a lot of things that are similar to the uh, Clone Wars season six stuff with him. Mm-hmm. Which also add might also mean mean it's a path Palpatine cannot access at all because. Palpatine has some of those problems, right? Dark side users don't have a lot of connection to the cosmic force. So maybe, um, maybe that has something to do with it too. Yeah, no, I, I love everything you're saying in terms of the, the how I think it is really interesting to think about uh, that Jedi temple is sitting on top of the world between worlds. It's a virgins, right? Um, It, it, it has a, a unique power. And I think a lot of Jedi temples are like that. Um, but I think that might be a place where where Yoda can connect even even more strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, maybe it is a a version of uh, you know projecting himself. Uh, there is the storyline in Rebels where uh, when when next Ezra talks with Yoda, uh, he can see Yoda, and there's a comment about how Ezra is progressing. Um, mm-hmm. So I really do take it as like this isn't a vision that Ezra's having, and Yoda is the manifestation of it. I really take it as the. <laughs> Yeah, this is Yoda making a long distance force call um, by whatever mystical means uh, that you might uh, imagine. This is truly Yoda sharing his perspective, talking with Mm -hmm. with Ezra and Kanan for the Kyber. um, I I think it is totally open for interpretation. Um, I think that Kyber could be in the temple and already physically and, and Yoda is presenting it to him. I also think there's this possibility that when Ezra is presented with the temple or with the Kyber, the temple shifted, right? And he's just sort of standing on this uh, uh, mystical ethereal disc mm-hmm. and there's, there's just a, a starscape uh, around him. And uh, even earlier, there are, are these sort of symbols that are very world between worlds. I, I think it is a possibility that there is an element of the energy of mm-hmm. world between worlds that, that Yoda is moving the Kyber crystal <laughs> yeah. from somewhere and presenting it uh, to Ezra. Uh, I, I love that. Love that. Um, as a, as a possibility, I, I, I like that. I don't necessarily have a, a, d- a direct clear answer here. There's a lot of options. Uh, yeah. First of all, Yoda is speaking to two people at the same time. So there's, there's some other dimensional stuff at play there that maybe I don't really understand. <laughs> uh, the idea of the Kyber crystal, Kyber crystal being there, it's interesting to me because maybe that you could, there's, cause there's even this, um, you know, Ezra's kind of like, what do you mean this temple was here in this planet? I was here the whole time. Like, it was like, I, I used to play on this hill or something, you know, like, and the fact that it was in a way, all of this was kind of calling to him. So that reminds me a lot of the Elam gathering stuff anyways, right. Where you got to kind of find the crystal and the crystal calls to you, that kind of stuff. So maybe it was always there. He just couldn't see it, but to your world between world stuff. I love that. 
I, I absolutely think they were building towards that. Uh, I also see the Kyber Crystal Yoda being able to produce it here. Just one step away of learning how to burn down trees with lightning from from Force Ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, uh, I'm, I'm slightly cheating here. I went. I even dug up the Rebels Recon episode about this, which was mm. a fun blast from the past. Andy Gutierrez hosting the show, talking to Pablo Hidalgo in, in the in the cafeteria at Lucasville. And there was no great insights into some of the hows and whys here. But there's a wonderful quote from Filoni where he's just like, I'm not going to give you, a, we're building towards something. <laughs> so back off, Andy. Um, and I think that has to do with what you're talking about. I'm just like, yeah, there's something bigger at play here that these characters don't fully understand at this point. And we didn't at this point. Yeah. Yeah. This was one of the most um, fun episodes to rewatch because you're, you're watching in the flow. I was in a different headspace back then. I was happy yeah. to hear Yoda, but you know, I, I wasn't as emotionally connected to Ezra and Kanan. Uh, yet I'm watching it, you know, one week at a time with uh, commercials for Gogurt in between, as we always joke yeah. about, you know, yeah. and, and to watch it again and see how it fits into the story of Star Wars, into the story of, you know, uh, the Clone Wars and the Jedi and where Ezra and Kanan are going. It's so rewarding uh, to rewatch it. And yeah. what I liked in particular is I feel like this specific episode is this is uh Ezra's unorthodox trial of the gathering, right? Mm-hmm. This is, you know, Yoda is sort of in, in a bittersweet way thinking, you know, in a, in a different world, you know, I, I'd have been patiently waiting outside the cave on Ilum for this yeah. young man, you know, to, to mm-hmm. face his demons and, and find the Kyber that calls to him. He, he can't have that now, but he needs something. And he's, he's shown strength uh, by getting into this temple this far. So I'm going to, I'm going to quiz him. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, give him some options and see uh, what he says. Right. See if he has understanding of his fear. Right. And that's what's going on in the scene. Right. Yeah. We've had some fun guessing about the, the how, uh, but the why is often what's so important to us. Um, and the why is Yoda questioning Ezra about why do you want power? What do you think it means to be a Jedi? And Ezra has that moment of of understandable anger and, and fear and desire for revenge because people, uh, the empire's taken so much from him and Yoda doesn't tell him that's wrong, but pushes him. Right. And, yeah. and Ezra's able to have that epiphany out loud. If I used to just look out for myself, uh, but that's not how Kanan is. That's not how the rest of um, everybody, my, my family is. And what I really want the power for is to defend my family and to help people. Cause I see what happens when people uh, are helped and are helping, mm. they feel alive, right? Mm. Direct connection mm. to uh, th- what's what's discussed blatantly in the Kenobi television series, right? Uh, a Jedi's goal is to defend life, not take it. Uh, yeah. And Ezra Ezra passes his his trial of the gathering, right? Just like uh, Gungi <laughs> uh, passed his trial of being impatient, right? Um, yeah. And Yoda says, "Great, you're ready for the the next step." Uh, you're ready to continue on the path to be a Jedi. So I think that's kind of what's going on in this episode. It's the trial of the gathering for Ezra in a new, in a different era. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. is. And this idea that, you know, they address, I can't remember the exact quotes, but it's like, yeah, the, the, this is Kate. It's like, yeah, this isn't what I would have done. <laughs> this is different. <laughs> but yeah. cool. We're not in the temple, not in the Academy, not in the Jedi orders home base. So yeah, that this would be, which also funny as even you're describing wonderful stuff. This is a powerful episode. Uh, I absolutely implore people to revisit Path of the Jedi. 
uh, because it just lays out so much. The Path of Jedi is laid out very clearly and wonderfully and beautifully. And it kind of reminds you of, you know, again, why Luke put down his blade in 83 and, and all these valuable lessons. But uh, yeah, and it was just um, uh, fun to revisit, fun to revisit the time and, and, uh, and, and not, uh, not dig into uh, how as much as the why. And it's a good reminder there too. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think when you chain this episode with uh, a lot of Ezra's path, but specifically when he goes to see Yoda again and, and Yoda, you know, tells him, you know, it's not, uh, it, it's, it's most important how we fight rather than whether yeah. we fight or not, but how we fight. And uh, Ezra is obsessed on finding a way to defeat the Sith and that sends him on this path to Malachor and all this thing. But yeah. uh, watching the whole series again, I really uh, agree with Brian's take that Yoda has his bigger picture, right? Yoda's watching everyone and, and Yoda has a sense of like, Luke is probably on a path someday to face his father, um, partially because he'll be strong in the force, but partially because that's his father. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one day, somehow, one day or another, he's probably going to have to face that, right? Yeah. And I think he sees that a lot of that th- stuff with Ezra, when Ezra's kind of obsessed with how do we defeat the Sith, right? I think Yoda's seeing like, well, there's that risk that you're obsessing on killing something, ending something. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's going to cause you to dance toward, toward the dark side. But also I think Yoda's seen this bigger picture of like, you're on this different path. You, you have this, uh, path to be the protector of Lothal, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to defend the galaxy from Thrawn to do who knows what else Ezra is going to do in possibly in the Ahsoka television show. Right. Right. Um, I really think that's a big part of the rebels arc, a big part of, uh, Ezra's story. I think, uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda are in in step on this when Obi-Wan is telling him, you're in the wrong place. This isn't your ending. The Sith isn't your destiny. You know, you you have a different destiny. And it's a big deal when when Ezra feels the last lesson that Kanan told him is finding the most important place to help uh, and decides for him that's Lothal. And you're a pleasure to help. Uh, Beautiful stuff. I I, I also want to say I I started to lose my train of thought a little bit i apologize it happens with me i'm a rambler uh all this discussion and hearing you describe this uh the 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 personalized gathering so to speak (laughs) reminds me of the jedi looking at ahsoka and going well it turns out that was your trial (laughs) congratulations you passed and her going not today not today i'm out of here yep Yep, I do love that about the Jedi that there are the organized trials, but they are open to. Yep. Okay, well, you, uh, hey, Obi Wan, you you defeated Maul and protecting Naboo. Uh, cool, your Jedi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this is definitely an unorthodox time. So there you go. Not, Any, in, not to, I don't mean to point fingers at some classic all star Jedi's who uh, came down on Ahsoka there. Those the, those arcs there at the end of season five, but uh, just reminds me of that. No, it's a, uh, that's a beautiful moment and has a moment of comedy of like, oh, when we threw you under the bus, whoops, <laughs> out of our own fear, uh, it was a trial for you and you passed it. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? You passed. Okay, after you, I'm out of here. You know, when I crashed my car into your store, I realized that was me giving you a trial and you passed. You passed. Yeah, very fun stuff. Great question, Brian. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk more about Rebels. Uh, very rewarding uh, rewatch. Uh, I'm only on two. I got a lot of rewatches to catch up with Brian. Uh, great question. We're going to move on to our final question from James Pasqualucci. James says, Bright Suns for Center. Uh, there's something that I've pondered for a long time. 
As far as we have seen, members of the Jedi Order have a strong enough connection to the Force that they can wield it. However, I wonder, could there ever be a Jedi that cannot wield the Force but still have great faith in it? Uh, I remember a quote from Pablo Hidalgo where he said someone with a midi-chlorine count of two could still be a great Jedi. We've seen characters like Lor Santeca, Maz Kanata, Lyra Urso, and Shirt Emwe have a feeling and awareness of the Force. They cannot throw rocks around or use mind tricks, uh, but they're seen to be incredible people with incredible faith doing incredible things. As the Jedi Order evolves, should there be members like them who cannot use the Force but have faith in it? After all, that is one of the core principles of a Jedi. There's a lot of places to go with this question, Ken, so I'm just going to throw it to you wide open. Where do you want to start? Ooh, oh, thank you. Uh, I like the technicality here, that it's not, not just about moving rocks, but why you move them. So someone who understands the why could be able to hold the title of Jedi. Uh, you know, I know there is no ranking system or, or on your business card. I'm a, I'm a midi-chlorian 12. Like there isn't that, but I could definitely see where the Jedi order along the years could lose sight of this. Right. Like this, mm-hmm. there's high Republic energy here where we, I think have, uh, you might be able to help me more with the specific examples, but there's some Jedi who struggle to feel the force in this certain way, or they have individual skills. I think some of the things I absolutely love about the high Republic is each Jedi really truly feels like themselves. They feel unique. Uh, they feel like they bring their own skills to the party. And I'm not necessarily saying that was l- completely lost, but by the time we meet up in the Jedi in the prequels, I bet there's some Jedi who probably look down on a 12. What are you, a midichlorian 12? <laughs> you don't deserve the title. And to this this quote from from Pablo, I, I think it is a, lot, is a lot about the why, about if you understand why we are Jedi. If you understand the path of the Jedi, did you listen or watch to the uh, watch the subtext of that Rebels episode? Then you can hold the title. And to me, there'd be a benefit of of, of having a Jedi that uh, is a little bit more in tune with finding the right solution versus overplaying. Excuse me, overpowering the problem, um, mm. which is, is something that maybe the Jedi can struggle with. You see, as that's that's a lot of what you talk about with Ezra in the beginning. I, I have a problem. I need to overpower the problem with my skills as a Jedi. I have skills. They, I'm going to be a Jedi because they say I could be a Jedi versus someone going, well, yeah, I, I, I don't have a, I don't have a hundred mile power fastball. So I got to find out how to get the batter out in another way that works for me with my skills and my approach. And that could be a benefit to a Jedi like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that to me, the, the Jedi are about, you know, the, the midi chlorine count thing to me is it, it is just about how easily does it come to them? Right. Yeah. Um, that That's, that's the main focus for me of, uh, you know, things come very easily to Anakin. He is very naturally powerful in the force. He feels it, right? Um, whereas other students are going to have to like concentrate more to get to his skill level. Uh, there's still the question then of how you use those skills. <laughs> mm-hmm. What beliefs do you form and all that? And and I really agree with you. Uh, I thought about the High Republic as well. It's not exactly what James is asking about. It's not like there are people in there who are like, you're a Jedi in name, but you cannot Right. You're only vaguely aware of the force. You you, you feel some vibes, right? right. Um, but there are Jedi who are like, um, like like my my beloved Reith Silas. Like he's he's doesn't have as natural of a connection, so he has to struggle. Um, yeah. Or uh, Ram Jamran, right? He, he really sees the force in this specific way, where he he sees the what is organic about mechanical things and the way they all come together. Or um, I think it's Imri who 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 uh, it doesn't feel as skilled in other ways. Uh, but is, you know, really, really great on emotion and, and mm-hmm. sending out calming waves or angry waves or reading people. And it, it's he's so good at that. It's almost out of control. So he needs to work on that. So I think High Republic has done a great job mm-hmm. of just showing that like, hey, it's not 
a list of video game powers of, you know, jump high, (laughs) flip, mind control, push, you know, it's uh, different ways of connecting. Um, Hmm. And I think that's a a little bit uh, what James is getting here with, with characters uh, like certainly like Maz and Lyra in, in Chirrut who all seem like to me, what I think of is like force aware, like they can feel the vibes, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. Uh, but they can't reach in and control it uh mm-hmm. and turn it into a list of physical skills uh and i think that that's an interesting difference uh the other thing that, that james is talking about before we get into the direct answering of of a different jedi order um when james uses the term uh, uh faith in the force he cannot mm-hmm. use the the force but have faith in it what, what does faith in the force mean to you how do you think of that i think think just geez, you're asking a giant yep. faith question in life in star wars that uh you just like uh, you be, you believe it even if you don't understand it uh you try mm-hmm. to understand it uh it it is there uh it is there with you even though you don't have every answer about it you believe mm. sort of believe in something something uh more than than just yeah. yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and kind of accepting that you don't have all the answers uh, and that you don't have all the midichlorians. Uh, <laughs> I like that idea that if you accept that, that, that you have to be in, in a constant search to understand it better, which a lot of our Jedi are always talking about that. It's kind of not the destination. It's not like in, by the time I'm 35, I will know everything about the force, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that it is uh, something to always be explored, always be questioned, discovered, understood better, differently, all those things. Yeah. 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 I think for me, and, and this gets into the real, you know, it's the spiritual side of Star Wars. Uh, I, I'm sure for for many fans, it, it will dovetail with, you know, real life uh, religious beliefs. So I always want to have uh, respect. Uh, for me, I, I, I think of the will of the force and therefore faith in the force is sort of faith in others, faith mm-hmm. in our, our grand connection. Uh, faith in in community connection the power of life the power of nature the the natural cycle of uh life and death uh to me i think of the will of the force is is this almost intuitive sense between all beings about what is natural what is best for for us um and so i think it's i think it's because that the the ideas of the jedi are about um how can we help the most people you know, and, and yeah. rejecting the sort of selfishness of everything is only from my perspective. Um, but having that sense of we are all connected, what happens to one of us matters to the rest. If we explode that out into, a, into a cosmic truth, you know, what is it whispering to us? You know, mm. so that's, that's the way I think of, uh, of faith in the force with, which is, uh, you know, a casual sub question to bring up. <laughs> right. Right. It's a little, just a little one. Just a, just a little one. Uh, okay, getting into uh, the rest of, of James' question, um, I do want to call out the the Church of the Force. James' question is, could there be somebody who can't, you know, uh, manipulate the Force, can't use the Force, be a, a part of a new Jedi Order? Uh, but certainly people who just have faith in the Force, uh, believe in it, uh, study it, right? Mm. We don't know a ton about them, but that is the Church of the Force, right? Um Here's what the uh, Wikipedia entry says for the behind-the-scenes information about Church of the Force that I thought was uh, really interesting. 
Through the appearance of Lor San Pekka in the Two and All Villagers, the Church of the Force first appeared in the 2015 film Star Wars The Force Awakens. It was identified as the Church of the Force in the reference book, uh, The Force Awakens Visual Dictionary, which provided some history for San Pekka. Uh, Pablo Hidalgo revealed in an interview that the church was originally conceived by George Lucas for Star Wars Underworld, a canned live-action Star Wars TV series. The church's story was put on hold before appearing in Episode 7, The Force Awakens, directed by J.J. Abrams. Uh, since then, Lor Santeca has popped up uh, in a couple different stories. Uh, the Santecas have popped up in the High Republic. And in the High Republic, there's been a light bit of Church of the Force storytelling confirming that it existed a long time ago. And Santecas have long been a member of the Church of the Force. Uh, so wanted to give that backstory. Ken, what do you think of the Church of the Force? I, I love the the addition of it to the Star Wars storytelling, and and this uh, she's not a member, but just Maz Kanata saying, I, I I understand it, I ain't in it, I don't have a yeah. life, but I, <laughs> but I understand it, and, and how you can be in tune to it. There, I guess it'd be almost the spiritual side of the organized version of the Force, if you will. But anyways, the Church of Force being organized in itself, uh, I, I I don't know. There's something that works for me. And by the way, also, I love that there's often, Saw Gerrera is an example too, often the answer is, well, George had it ready for Underworld, which happens <laughs> a few times in Star Wars lore. Um, it just, growing up, again, you know, the Re- you had the Rebels, Jen Dodonis has made the Force be with you, and they're talking about the Force, those X-Wing pilots need the force with them just kind of tracks none of them are jedi but people understand it it's out there and they believe so the fact that there is a church of the force that's outside the walls of the official jedi temple has always worked for me and always uh, in a weird way just been comforting for the galaxy to have that for me yeah yeah and i i interested to learn more of their story but i agree like i think the kind of the 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 most uh mature enlightened jedi i think is like yeah we don't own, own the force uh mm-hmm. you know we we are through it we are granted skills and knowledge and we try to use those but it's not ours you know yeah. Uh, yeah. the way luke is like it doesn't it's not a power it doesn't belong to anybody you know totally absolutely especially if it goes back in time yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'd love more storytelling about that. So uh, I've pulled multiple sub-questions out of James' question, but maybe we should answer James' question. How do you feel, Ken, about the idea of a Jedi Order that is asking people probably to take, like, the Jedi Code to have these shared overall beliefs about the Force, its purpose, its use, and then, hey, if you can throw rocks, great. <laughs> if you just get vibes sometimes, if you can't feel the force at all, everyone's welcome as long as they are uh, kind of take this this oath and have this shared view. How do you feel about that? I, I like this idea, not just because it could create a Jedi in a service industry, right? I'm, I'm the gardener Jedi, and this is what I do. I'm connected to plants, and this is uh, my ex- area of expertise. But it might take, might demystify some of the things around the order, you know, I'm just going to think if this is a new order, he says, as the order evolves, but this mm-hmm. is almost a rebirth. Um, it would make a more robust order, but again, one that, that, that uh, opens up the doors a little bit more. And there you, to your point of earlier, the force is, uh, is about connection and others that this would uh, not just be these uh, wizard warriors that are off to solve your problems or exert their power into a, over a situation or into a situation uh, that it would be truly a, an organization of the people, so to speak, not that suddenly sound like I'm campaigning, but that it would, uh, yeah, it would open it up and, and, and open up the force 
uh, even though the force is always there. Maybe there's people who just feel like, well, I can't wield a lightsaber, therefore this ain't for me. So maybe this is about opening the doors. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd be really interested in that storytelling. That would be that would be fascinating, right? Um, maybe uh, Ray forms an order that that searches people who connect with the Force in in different ways, right? Uh, or want to live a specific kind of of lifestyle. And I'm not saying that you know Ray recreates the the Jedi Order exactly as it was, but right. I think some of those tenets uh, that maybe the Jedi uh, clung to too rigidly in the prequel era a lot of those tenants are great of like, Hey, if, yep. if I want to make my entire life about service, that's going to be my focus. It has to be my focus. So it's not like I'm going to be a Jedi from six to eight on weekends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I, I'm here all the time. I think that's a big part of it, you know? Yeah. And I'm trying to think a wild random thought, but it's like, we, we learned with like the grand inquisitor, a, a Jedi temple guard who was never allowed to, go inside the library so to speak right that mm-hmm. knowledge in there was kept from him and he he let that burn uh burn a hole in his soul again a choice he makes but uh they deal with that they deal with that there it's at play in the comics uh, a bit too with jocasta new so you know does that i understand maybe there's a purpose that ah you can't read all stuff but but th- that there's there's these walls inside the order that maybe are potentially dangerous and something like this could be different where hey we're all on the same team here um you just don't uh, wield the blade or move those rocks as uh, good as the others, but you're still here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, lot, lots of fun storytelling possibilities. So I'd be very interested in a story exploring that. I also do think the Jedi order that we, we know uh, from star Wars storytelling, I do think it, I really understand how it can feel sort of like the Jedi are all about community and helping people, but their doors are closed and they say only if you have powers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I really understand sort of uh, having a uh, conflicted feeling about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, what's interesting about the Jedi order is it, it represents a lot of things. And one of the things to me is it is a system to reckon with power. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the real world, we all have power in its different kinds of power. I think in the story of Star Wars, everyone has choice, everyone has power, everyone matters. Uh, The Jedi who have a strong connection to the Force and can control people's minds, can look into the future, you know, can do amazing physical feats. That's a level of power that comes with it, this extra level of danger, and therefore this extra level of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a part of the Jedi Order is looking around and saying, those of us who are connecting to the Force this way have this power, which could be a boon to society. It could benefit others. Or we could be selfish with it and we could hurt others. So we need to gather and decide a philosophy about how we use this power. So I think the existence of that level of power is a part of the point uh, of the Jedi Order in the way that that mm. I look at it, I think that's a little bit of what you know Filoni's great story about Lucas telling him how a how a Jedi would negotiate yeah. <laughs> of putting the lightsaber on the table. It's it's sort of saying, uh, look, we are the Jedi Order. We are a group of people who want to avoid conflict at all c- costs, but we have power. And if we see something that we believe is an injustice, we are willing to use that power. So please know that in this conversation, that's where we're coming from. Like. Mm. We don't want to have have conflict. How can we all avoid it? Uh, but the the purpose of the Jedi is, you know, to defend peace and justice. And there's that great quote. I think it's in uh, uh, A Light of the Jedi 
about sometimes peace and justice are conflicting things. And I think that's what gets really complex and interesting about the Jedi of, on one thing, you don't want to be like, we have power, so we run around the galaxy telling people what to do, right? No good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then uh, people are being victimized, brutalized. You have power and you're not doing anything about it? Yeah. That, those are the questions of power that the Jedi are constantly wrestling with and trying to find the right path of when to use that power. So I think to me that that's why the Jedi Order is this collection of people who have a specific kind of power wrestling with the best way to use it. Wrestling with the why, huh? Wrestling yeah. with the why. The story, the Star Wars story, wrestling with the why. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for going on and on about power. No, no, I think it's a very important, relevant conversation. The yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's easy answers. And I think that that's part of my whole justice for the Jedi of like, this is not an easy thing that they're mm. trying to do, right? <laughs> oh. To decide when to raise that blade and when to lower it when having power is just being a bully and when having power is a responsibility to help others. Is is that's hard. Indeed. Yep. All right. Any final thoughts on that one, Ken? Uh, no, wonderful question. Uh, wonderful stuff there. And it also reminds me that I want to see more Lore Santeca. Yeah, absolutely. Bring us the Santecas. And I, man, I love Lyra's stuff in that Catalyst novel. So more more Force-aware people as well. Yeah. Uh, and more highlighting power of all kinds in Star Wars, which leads us to our final segment, Power of the Light Side. Uh, this is a segment where we ask uh, Patreon patrons to share something joyful about Star Wars. We've got a great one today from Blake Davidson. Are you ready, Ken? I am ready, sir. Here's what Blake has to say. Hello, Joseph and Ken. I hope you're both doing well. Smiley face. Today, I'd like to simply celebrate how much Star Wars has been in my life as I've grown up, but also how important it's remained for me. I'll try to keep this as short as possible, but I apologize if this gets too long. It's fun for me to look back on some of those early Star Wars moments. I have memories as a young kid of lazy Saturdays with the original trilogy on VHS and of awful stick figure drawings of Vader and Luke in yellowing notebooks that today I hesitate to get rid of and may always hold on to. As I got older, the prequels released, and I deeply latched onto those. Uh, the dramatic, tragic ending of Revenge of the Sith captivated my imagination at a younger age. But that wasn't it. I played so many of the Star Wars video games of that time, with the original Battlefront series and Force Unleashed being my favorites. Many nights were spent within those spaces, and so often my younger days were centered around consuming Star Wars as a whole. Now as a man in my mid-twenties, my relationship with the franchise has changed, but in the most positive ways. Looking at these stories with more mature eyes and with more nuanced perspectives have, has been wonderful. For example, the Kenobi show specifically left a large impact on me. It had its little flaws, as all Star Wars projects do, but where it worked for me, it really worked. Seeing the faces of Ewan and Hayden again was surreal, especially during the finale episode, and it really tugged at some deeper emotions rooted in nostalgia. I also teach 7th grade English and frequently use Star Wars within lessons. We are currently in a narrative unit, which has already given me several opportunities to discuss its themes and characters when applicable. It's just gratifying to discuss these things with students who are beginning to grow, change, and question the world around them. I think Star Wars is important at this age. I've also grown from stick figure drawings. These days, I do lots of freelance graphic design, specifically creating merchandise for touring artists and bands all over the world. Yet nothing gives me more of a thrill than to sit down and create a Star Wars piece, even if the art is just for me. 
I guess my point in writing this reflection is that as we grow and as things get more complicated, I think we sometimes expect things from childhood to sort of fade into memory. We get too busy or too focused on life things to care about that sort of stuff. But I'm so thankful that this hasn't been the case for me. In fact, not only has that not been the case, but the things I loved as a kid have morphed into things I can love even more as an adult. So here's to maxing out more heroes in Battlefront 2 2017, sitting down and watching Mando Season 3 soon, and celebrating whatever Star Wars still has left for us. Thank you both for reading this all, and thank you for being such a positive force, pun absolutely intended, in this community. Have a great day. Thank you very much, Ken. What are your thoughts on this Power of the Light Side entry? Uh, a lot of wonderful stuff in here. First of all, I think it's just so cool that you're doing art for bands. I mean, come on. Huh? I love that. Mm-hmm. Love to see a collection of that stuff. Uh, I, I think, here's the first that I have. I think George Lucas would hear this and go, yeah, I didn't create Star Wars for podcasters. I created it for English teachers teaching the kids <laughs> right at the cusp of there, going out into the real world there. I think you're striking the, some real chords there uh, about what Star Wars is about and how powerful it is um, and what is there for us. Uh, I, I recently had a, a, an encounter with someone who was like, Star Wars, we, we all make up what's in there. Uh, we all make up what's connected, uh, what we connect to. It's, uh, do we, do we, or is that the purpose of what's going on here? So I love this and just, uh, you know, uh, how Star Wars changes with you. We keep going back to that too. You and I both love Carl Weathers' quote from that Mando behind the scenes stuff of, you know, what, what Star Wars was saying to me in my 20s, I didn't hear till now and I probably needed to hear it back then. But that's the point being Star Wars um, grows with you as you uh, start to look at it, engage with it in different ways, but always keep your stick figures, always keep your art from your childhood. Yeah. I've I've been um, unearthing some old photos of my childhood and some drawings and that it is a, it's a shocking and rewarding (laughs) (laughs) as time goes on. Yeah. I I so uh, agree with a ton of what is being said here and in particular about, you know, it's, it's a different time and, some things we encounter is kids. Maybe maybe they stay in our childhood, but a lot of things that we love, uh, there's a lot to love from from different perspectives of age. I think Star Wars is so important as a coming of age story. All the different parts of Star Wars are different uh, coming of age stories. But you know, we're lucky now to uh, you and I have grown up with it, and now we're getting to our coming of middle age stories yeah, yeah. <laughs> with Kenobi. And boy, is that resonant of the "It's over, we lost." Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, maybe those things you you valued when you were younger, maybe they're still important. Uh, I'm glad to have those lessons keep coming from Star Wars. Yeah, indeed. All right, Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Hive Social as well as Four Center. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Thanks for everyone who watched Figure Fights. More on the way. Podcasts available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. And merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. And you can go to patreon.com slash Four Center to support us directly and get into our Discord to have conversations with Four Center friends like the ones we shared the questions from today. Uh, you can find me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, KenNapsock.com. You can link to other things I do, like my music show on Mixcloud called Pop Rockin' Radio. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media with the handle Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm looking for more friends on Instagram in particular because, frankly, it's one of the more happy, relaxing social media sites. So trying to spend a little bit more time there. But you can also find me on uh, Twitter, on TikTok, and you can check out my YouTube page. Just search for Joseph Scrimshaw there as well. Got some more stuff coming very soon. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for our Dagobah snack packs, this has been Cues of the Food.